Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of the Insights Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. I'm so excited to be in community with you. I'm your host, Sienna, but you can call me C, Sienna, Mamacita, Vanessa, truly whatever floats your boat. Y'all know that I am an avid believer in authenticity being our unique superpower. But before we dive into the topic for today, I wanna introduce y'all to an exciting guest, someone that the internet, the ethernet, the world that we live on, on our phones and on our screens has introduced me to, and I'm so excited to have him here with us. So, Babel, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people? Damn, that intro had me a little, <laughs> little blushing over here. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You got to give you your flowers. Thank you. I appreciate it. I feel like I'm on a Drink Champs episode or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nah, but yeah, Pavel Martinez here. Um, born and raised in New York. Uh, hey. Dominican as well. Shout out to the Dominicanos de lo mio. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've been in authenticity that topic is such an interesting one it's so, so complex but it's something that I've been sort of dedicating my life to for the previous few years because you know I've been in a bunch of high paying high profile tech jobs mm-hmm. you know most recently I was at Facebook for four years and now I'm at TikTok been there for about a year and I've had success throughout my career but the most challenging thing that I've had throughout my career is this theme of authenticity mm-hmm. um it's been my biggest struggle up until a few years when I decided to just stop code switching, stop faking it. Um, and now I've dedicated, I'm, I'm dedicating it to be my mission to, to redefine professionalism so that people could feel more comfortable being their authentic selves. So, um, part of that is the brand that I launched plural. Um, and within the, the, the parent brand is, is the podcast game duetas where mm-hmm. we have open conversations like this around the conflict that many of us face between authenticity and professionalism. So, I'm really excited to be here, especially just given the topic that we're covering. Yay. Well, thank you again so much for joining me. I am diving into almost everything that you've mentioned. I'm, I'm prepared. I have my questions. Uh, but before we like dive in, I want to do just a little bit of a getting to know you um, and a true check-in. I feel like it's really easy to kind of dive into the work, right? Or dive into like the main segment. Um, but we're people on top of that and we're multi-passionate. And so first things first right just like a genuine check-in how are you doing what's on your mind how have you been feeling lately i'm feeling encouraged uh it's not it's something that i struggle with really like Mm -hmm. celebrating the wins but you know people have been in my my dms and my inbox on linkedin and and tiktok and all these things just like yo content is dope keep it going i was like yes i needed that you know what i mean like sometimes you need someone to tell you that like you're doing well Mm -hmm. i love that Given, obviously, you mentioned that you worked at Facebook, now you're at TikTok, so you're in tech and social media. I'm very curious. What social trend is just living rent-free in your head right now? It could be a TikTok, an audio, YouTube. What is living (laughs) rent-free? Yo, I love, uh, I got, I wish I knew their at, I got to look at their uh, profile name or their at, whatever it is on TikTok, but the the dudes from Coney Island that was like, yo, Ariana Grande, what's up? Yo, Big Bong. (laughs) <laughs> I love yo that video. The, whoever that dude is, that was like, um, who's the president? Byron, who? <laughs> yo, yeah, hilarious. That's my favorite audio right now. It's like, what do you want to say to Joe Biden? Hey, yo, take me out. Hey, yo, hey, yo. Like, <laughs> it's, so, it's so New York. Dinner. Like, there's so no wow. Shifting a little bit, right? But like I said, that's a pretty joyful, like very New York moment. I'm curious. 
this could be big or this could be like an everyday moment, but what has been your most recent just like joy-filled experience? Like full body, you were just feeling pure joy in that moment. Yeah, I think, uh, well, it's interesting too, because I, I think a lot of people have found some interesting hobbies to, to give them joy during the pandemic. And mm -hmm. I see a lot of people putting up books that they read. One fun fact, which I don't know how fun it is, I hate reading. Okay. I, I, can't, I can't stand reading. And yo, even to the point where like, if I'm looking at a TikTok or Instagram and and and, and like the, the text on, on the video is too long, like I'm not even gonna read it. I'm gonna scroll past it. Like I need some like quick hitting stuff. So funny enough, like one of, one of the books that I'm, I don't even know if reading is the right word, but I'm going through. Yes. Is this coloring book. That's so cute. Stop it. And it's yeah, called yeah. Outside the Lines. I like that. It's called Outside the Lines. It's really, it got some like really dope designs, um, but every page is, is pretty dope. But um, but yeah, I just like go in the calorie book. It just helps me feel creative, but also get my mm -hmm. mind off of things as well. So I just like play some music in the background, listen to a podcast and just color. I got my coloring pencils right here to the left of me. I love yeah. that. That's so cool. Oh, that's so cute and like wholesome. You don't expect people to say that and like I don't know when adult coloring books became a thing, but I feel like they just randomly popped up and like have stayed and I'm kind I'm of surprised saying. at it, but I love it. Yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I like learning, mm -hmm. which is the, the, the act of reading is not the way that I take in information and hold on yeah. to it. You know what I mean? Like I'm a visual person. I'm an audio person, but mm -hmm. just the reading in, in itself. I feel like I do so much reading at work on itself. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's not my thing. No, I feel that I'm, um, I don't know what you call it. I guess it would be like experiential learner. Um, and like, I'm an education minor. So the ed minor in me is always like very curious about the way that people choose to like consume and retain information and knowledge. Um, but I'm definitely experiential. Like if you tell me something on a fact, like on a walking tour, I'm much more likely to remember it than like in a lecture. Because yes. when I'm on that walking tour, I'll be like, I cared about that door. And now I remember why it's blue and not brown, right? Like I'll have something there. Um, so it makes sense to me that like you surround yourself kind of environments that feed you where you can interact to a certain degree. Like you can interact with audio, visual, there's more neural connections. Reading is just kind of hit or miss for some people. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Thank you. Um, and then last, like getting to know you, right? Again, the three kind of pillars of the Insights podcast are traveling, joy, and holistic health. And so I'm curious, what are your kind of go-to self-care practices, right? And this can be kind of general, or this can be specific to like emotional, social, spiritual, financial health, whatever, whatever are the ways that you kind of go to to take care of yourself? Oh, I mean, outside of outside of the coloring book, I mean, there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like I have so many. I, like when most people think of self-care, I feel like they think about it as this like big activity that takes mm -hmm. that you got to dedicate time to. But I mean, it can be so many things, right? Like getting a haircut. Um, yes. me, like I see my family every other weekend. And for a lot of people, that could be like taxing. But for me, um, like when I think about my love language, I'm um, one of my, my top love language is physical touch. Mm -hmm. And people often even think about that with like people that they're in a relationship with, right? Like, a, you know, yeah. partner, right? But my grandma is my favorite person because she lets me hug her. Yeah. And like, she hugs me. So something as simple as that for me and, and getting physical touches, self-care, um, I love dancing. So mm -hmm. going out on the weekends and dancing, satisfied self-care for me, um, there, there's just so many things. Um, 
I think one that I, I've I've done more recently, and I'm it's getting to the point where I'm running out of content. Um, I put on a comedy typically like once a day, yes. um, and it could just be like a stand up routine. But for me, one of the things I learned in therapy is like I have the power to change or control what I'm thinking or you know my mindset. So mm-hmm. if I'm really if I'm feeling really sad, like I'm gonna just put up a stand up routine, right? Listen to anybody comic wise, um, and it instantly changes my mood. Like something as simple as I forget what they say, but I think they say, like, even if you fake a smile, Mm -hmm. like your brain doesn't even know the difference. Just the fact that you're smiling, it will change your mood completely. So if I had to name one out of all of those, I would say watching a comedy. I love that. I actually really echo that. I am running out of comedies on Netflix specifically. (laughs) And then I just like, we'll let Dry Bar, uh, Dry Bar Comedy, if you haven't checked them out, is like a YouTube channel. And it's like clean comedy, right? So it's no cursing. It's family friendly. I don't have to worry about it if like my little cousins are in the background because it's all stuff that they can hear. Um, And I don't have to be stressed about it. So I'll just let that run and like laugh in the background. Um, But yeah, your body doesn't know the difference between like when you're faking it or when it's genuine. It also doesn't know the difference between nervousness and excited. So if you're feeling really nervous, the kind of bodily reactions to my understanding is the same as when you're feeling really excited. So like if you're waiting online for a roller coaster and you're like, I'm terrified, but you tell yourself like, I'm really excited. This is going to be so fun. I'm really excited. Your body's going to feel the same way. And so if you just change your mindset, it'll change that whole experience for you, which I think is really cool. Cause you can like hack your brain, hack your life in that way. That's so dope. I got to make a video about that. Right? Like, isn't that so, so good? Cool? So um, good. So yeah, I love that. It's like the power poses and Grey's Anatomy. Well, it's not in Grey's Anatomy. It's, you know, real research, but I know it from Grey's Anatomy. Um, But cool. That was just like a quick getting to know you just to kind of like touch on who you are. I know that you're multi-passionate, right? You mentioned therapy, social media. So there's obviously a lot of things um, that you have experience with and that you can talk about and hopefully we'll address a majority of them through kind of our main segment. So as we've introduced already, we're going to be talking about authenticity, right? And authenticity is this really like broad umbrella term and it can be so specific at the same time. So I kind of want to pass it to you, Baba, right? Like your content is all about being authentic and promoting authenticity in every aspect of your life, but especially in that workplace, right? And redefining professionalism. So I'm curious, how do you define being authentic? And like, what does that look like and feel like for you? Yeah, no, it's such an interesting question, because it is such a buzzword. And I try to start every podcast episode with, you know, what does the word mean to you? Mm -hmm. Uh, That word authenticity. And with it being such a buzzword, I think it's fascinating how no one has the same response. Everyone has a different definition. Yeah. Um, But the one that I typically refer back to, and one of the guests actually said this, is when you don't feel the need to censor yourself despite your surrounding. Mm. Um, And that's something that I've always struggled with. For example, like in corporate America, I felt like I had to censor myself in order for people to not judge me and, you know, Mm. all these other negative reactions. So now I'm at the point where I don't feel the need to do that um, Mm. in any situation. So, yeah, that's how I would define it what inspired that right you've said that you've been really successful in your career um I also should ask how do you define success what does successful mean to you oh god (laughs) (laughs) well because I don't want to throw that word out and some people think it's finances some people think it's fulfillment success means different things so when you say you've been successful what does that mean to you it is so interesting because 
I, I'm still figuring that out. I don't know what success is. I think mm. for my entire life, I thought it was reaching a certain amount of income. Mm -hmm. But I mean, right now, I'm making more money than I ever thought I would make. And I, and I don't feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So I guess maybe success and fulfillment are different. But I think that they should, I think they shouldn't be though. Um, so I think I am... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what success means. That's okay. That's totally yeah. okay. There's, you're not alone in that boat. I can promise you that. Um, but so I guess circling back then, right. When you said like, now you don't feel this need to censor yourself. I'm curious what inspired that, right? Do you think it's when you reached a certain managerial position, when you reached a level of income that you were like, I'm good. I got it. Like where, where did that inspiration come from to be like, I no longer need to censor myself? Yeah, it was uh, it was when I was at Facebook, um, maybe like a year into it. And, mm -hmm. you know, think about it, like all the experiences I've had before that I went into work and suppressed my identity and, and mm -hmm. I could get into like different ways. Right. Even at Facebook, when I started there, I was I was doing, you know, I was doing the same thing. I went into work, a completely different version of myself, how I would you know, be on the weekends, be outside of work. Mm -hmm. I would often tell people like, I'm a full-time actor as well as a full-time employee. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because for real, like we'd be putting on Oscar worthy performances when we walk into work. You know what I mean? You're so wrong. yeah. Yeah. So, but, but it got to a point where I was getting labeled aggressive and I got labeled a bunch of things, even when I was code switching. So I was like, yo, I'm doing all this work to code switch and I'm still yeah. getting these labels. And I was getting to a point where, um, I cried at home one day. I was like, I'm, I'm going to get fired or I'm just going to quit. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it one last try, but mm -hmm. I'm going to do it being myself. And then I came out to my to my team one day. I was like, yo, this past year, like I was just lying to y'all this whole time. They were like, what do you mean? And I told them like everything that I was doing. Um, and they were like, what? Um, wow. So, yeah, I was just like, you know, fuck it. If I'm a, if I'm going to get fired or if I'm a if I'm if I'm not going to do well at my dream job, which yeah. was Facebook, I was like, I'm gonna do it on my own terms. So I was just mm -hmm. like, fuck it. Interesting. Yeah, like, no vale la pena to cold switch if, if yeah. you're still gonna get labeled these things. That's yeah. so interesting. That's also really unfortunate. I'm sorry that you had that experience. I'm glad <laughs> that it inspired you to be authentic, but that's a shitty thing to go through. Um, and again, yeah, I, I mean, you're alone in that. Yeah, I mean, I was there for three more years. So mm -hmm. it ended up working out. I wouldn't say it was the easiest journey throughout those three years. Um, yeah. And I had some other, like, I think that's when I said, fuck it. But then what really gave me the additional push to, to continue doing it was I went on this, I went to this event called Black Leadership Day at Facebook. They have various events like this throughout the year for different um, segments of their employee base, right? They have like Black mm -hmm. ad, they have Latin ad, they have Pride ad, Women ad, all these mm -hmm. things, right? Um, and for those whoever self identifies within those groups, they fly them out to headquarters oh, okay. and they have a day or two dedicated to that community. So imagine like you open a door to this like auditorium mm -hmm. and it's nothing but people that it's nothing but people that look like you. Yeah. And imagine you walk in there and motherfuckers are playing, playing. Can I curse? You're good. <laughs> okay. And, and motherfuckers are playing swag surfing. And um, you got the VP of like all these departments that mm -hmm. look like you with swag and dancing. And they're not only being themselves, but they're thriving. Yeah. The, the company where you thought you were going to get fired from. Right. Mm -hmm. So seeing that representation was an additional like push to say. 
you could do this. Um, so seeing people that look like me thriving at work and being themselves w- was definitely helpful. I love that. That it's such an empowering feeling. Um, yeah. And I definitely different from the workplace, but I started actually a Latin dance group in college. And that was the exact reason that I did it was because I was like, I need my people. Um, and you didn't have to be Latinx to join, but I was like, I need people who want to be immersed in the culture. I need people who want to dance with me. I need people who like want to perform, right? Cause those are my people, the performers, the dancers, the people who love the culture and, you know, who are very touchy feely and don't mind dancing bachata at a party. Like those are the people that I need to connect with. Um, and so creating that space was really empowering and especially in like PWIs, right? So mm-hmm. for me, it was boarding school, then it was college and then the world is really just a PWI, um, especially in like the workforce, I feel. So I get that. Um, and I can imagine how like lovely that was. And so you mentioned, right? You were kind of like, all right, no more acting, taking the masks off. And so with that, I imagine there had to be some unlearning, right? It wasn't just an easy, like, okay, we're switching back. Here is who Pavel is because you've been acting all this time. And so kind of what unlearning did you have to do? What ideas or beliefs did you have to, you know, shed or dismantle in your head to kind of lean into your power? Yo, so many things. Um, And I think that's the interesting part about authenticity, because people often think about authenticity as the visual element, right? Mm -hmm. How do you dress? How do you do your hair? Um, So many different, like, all all of these, like, aesthetic-based things, right? Mm -hmm. But what people don't understand is that authenticity also goes into um, your values as well. Like, part of my values is, like, I, I, I like to believe that I'm fearless. I like to think that I'm outspoken um, for myself and not only my community. So, the learning has to do with the aesthetics and beyond that, right? So, for example, I remember growing up, my grandfather, who was like the primary father figure in my life, he would often tell me, do you see presidents with beards? Do you see them wearing do-rags? Do you see them with tattoos? What about CEOs? Do you see them Mm -hmm. do that? Right? And he would tell me, all right, well, like, you know, act accordingly. Mm -hmm. And I understand what he was trying to do. He was trying to protect me from people's negative perceptions and, and certain societal ideas, et cetera. But what he was also telling me indirectly, and I don't think this was his intention, but indirectly, he was telling me to I had to be more white to be successful. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, this was the same dude that like when he went out to go have a drink with his boys and I'm talking about like not to a club or a bar, like he would just go to like their, their house. Yeah. Um, He would wear a full suit. Wow. Like that's just, not what just, I thought you were going to say. That's <laughs> not where I thought you were going. Yeah. yeah. But no, nah, he would wear a full suit. And um. I'd be like, yo, I'm, in my head, I'm like, yo, why would he do that? But it's to avoid people's perceptions. I mean, he was, he grew up in an in a era with, with uh, Rafael Trujillo, who was a dictator in the Dominican Republic. And you would often get stopped or questioned or all these different things if you looked a certain way, right? So to avoid some of those interactions, he would dress up, right? Mm-hmm. And then he, he noticed that, you know, he, he didn't have as many interactions, negative interactions with like police or anything, any, um, any of the people that worked with him, right? So he really tried to instill that professionalism, like ideas that society has into me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that continued when I was in high school. Uh, I went to all boys Catholic high school. We couldn't oh, have wow. any facial hair below our earlobe. We had a uniform. We, could, mm-hmm. we had to dress a certain way. Uh, they didn't even allow dreads, afros. Wow. Like, I'll just call them black hairstyles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that carried with me. So when I when I went into work, like I just looked around at like what my white male counterparts were wearing. And I was like, I'm gonna buy that. 
So mm-hmm. I dressed up like them. I spoke like them. When people ask me what I did on the weekends, I I made up this whole lie. Like I yeah. would study white popular American culture on the weekends instead of doing things that I wanted to do just so that I would feel accepted at work. So I would study Bruce Springsteen. I would like binge watch shows like Riverdale just to be able to feel accepted um, and do all that. So, yeah, I mean, people people think it's just as simple as like, oh, throwing on a T-shirt to work. I'm like, not nah, like we spend hours out of our day thinking about yeah. how are we going to avoid racism, microaggressions, and also be liked by the managers that are going to get mm-hmm. us promoted. So th- that's like aesthetic based. There's also, you know, <laughs> there's other things to it, but There's I can pause more. I can yeah, imagine. Yeah. That's wild. It's actually really interesting because I never thought of authenticity as appearance based outside of like natural hair movement for black women, right? Or mm. women with like curlier, like 4C hair, et cetera. Um, so when you were like off the bat, well, most people think about it appearance wise, I was like, do they? Interesting. <laughs> I didn't like, and then you start speaking and I'm like, okay, this is all making sense. This is all registering because I think it's rooted in so much more, right? So for me, like when I say authenticity or when I think about the things that I had to unlearn to just like show up and that I'm still unlearning to like show up and be authentic, it also is like as simple as, you know, in a job interview, when they asked me what I value, I was like, I value work-life balance. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like, I'm the team player who's okay with flexible hours because when I'm offline, I'm offline. And so for some people like, okay, she doesn't want to get hired. Mm, I'm employed first of all, but that like, that's not the thing that you you tell someone to say, right? And I get that. And also I don't wanna work at a place that doesn't want me to have the work-life balance that I desire because I'm gonna be unhappy and y'all are gonna be unhappy because I'm gonna set these boundaries whether you like it or not. And like being able to do that, being able to assert that if I just led with that, now I've ended up at a place that like honors that and respects that and it's a part of our culture and that's great. But if I wasn't authentic in the interview process, and it's like dating almost, right? You're like trying to put your best foot forward. You're like, hey, I promise that I can do this job. Just give me the chance. And then you totally switch up. And it's like, okay, you can't, you shouldn't do that in my opinion. Um, but it's also like a generational thing. Cause like I have, you know, Titi's and Theo's who are like, mama, no, you can't do that. And I was like, I get where you're coming from, but if I don't, I'll be miserable. And I don't want that for me. So I'm going to do it. But it's, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, So all of that to say, like, it was really interesting to think about kind of aesthetics and appearance based because I definitely think about like value based and just, I guess, like leading with those values. Um, But all of that can also manifest in the way that you physically present yourself because it's the first thing someone will see to perceive you. Yeah, no, that's really interesting as well. I I thought I thought most people thought about it aesthetic based as well, but it's interesting. Like that job interview example takes a lot of guts. Like for you to present that, present that authentic version of yourself in, in a place where you haven't even secured the offer yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love that. And I think that story needs to be heard by so many more people. Cause that, that, that's a really dope one. And, and, and I would say, I would say a courageous one, but, I want, I want to get to the point where like, we aren't labeling that courageous, you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. it's just, it's just accepted to have those conversations. Cause I, I think those are great. And I think that's the type of conversations you, you want to have with people that you're bringing in to the organization. You want to know, both of you want to know what you're signing up for. Yeah, 
exactly. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really, it was an interesting experience I'll say. Cause it was just like fresh out of college. And I was like, what do I actually value? Right. Like, why do I actually want this job beyond the fact that like everyone needs an income to survive? And, yeah. you know, I had a lot of values that aligned and I was like, and here's a value I have. And like remote work, it's really easy to lose these boundaries, quarantine, you know, mm-hmm. people kind of assume like, oh, well, you're working from home. Like how hard can it be? And it's like, it's still the same amount of emotional labor and maybe slightly less physical labor. Right. Cause I don't have a commute, but it's still the same amount of like competency. If I was in the office or at home, like I'm still doing the same job. Um, and so kind of thinking about like, I'm not going to be on my screen 12 hours a day. Like I, I'm not doing that. And that's not what the job is. Right. So I want to know if the culture is kind of expecting me to do that because then this might not be the fit that we think it is. Um, But it's really interesting because a lot of people, not a lot of people, a majority of the people that I've told, but that hasn't been a lot of people, um, that story, they're always like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. And kind of to your point, I'm like, well, why? Like, why not? Why wouldn't we? Um, But I, I don't know, I sit with it and I think about that and I'm just kind of rambling, but those are my thoughts on it. No, no, I, I, I love that. I love that. I'm glad you had that. Yeah, me too, honestly. Um, and so, okay, we spoke about kind of a little bit of the unlearning. Um, I always say that like authenticity is your power, right? And so I kind of use them interchangeably, but I'm curious how shifting towards just like being authentic in life has kind of allowed you to feel more empowered not only in the workplace, but also like with your friends and with your family, if it has. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, something that it has helped me do, I mean, just in that example earlier of me, like setting aside time on the weekends, Mm -hmm. even on the weekdays sometimes to study, like I assign myself homework on the weekends that I didn't need to do. So just from like quantifying that, I save time that I can allocate towards things that I actually enjoy or you know, sometimes I actually, I dedicated it to actual work that I had to do, right? So my productivity improved automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a bit more on the qualitative side, I think I, well, I don't know if it's qualitative or not, but for, for work specifically, I been in sales for the past, I don't know, some odd years, I don't know, five, six years. And part of what you do in sales is build relationships with clients, right? So mm-hmm. the interesting part about code switching and authenticity is that if you're in an external facing role, like I wasn't just doing it from the nine to five, but I was also doing it with clients like after work because clients are, you know, mostly white males, yeah. the ones in power. Right. So I remember this one client I was trying to build a relationship with and I just wasn't going anywhere because yeah. I, I was faking it. You know, she would ask me like, oh, would you do this week? And I was like, oh yeah. You know, I caught up on Riverdale oh my God, do you watch that show? It's phenomenal, blah, blah, right? And and like, (laughs) it like got to a certain point in the conversation, but whatever. One day she was like, yo, what'd you do this weekend? And I was like, ooh, this is when I was a little bit of a thought. I was a little hope. (laughs) And I had, I think two dates on the same day, something like that. And then I had a third day. I, then I had the third day on a Sunday, something you like that. You are truly yeah. a New York Dominican. Let me tell you what. <laughs> you are truly New York Dominican. I'll tell y'all what. There's no denying it. He's He let it known. He let it be known. Uh, Dominicans don't cheat, though. Um, 
that's a topic was- for another podcast <laughs> We got it. We got it. Um, but not. Nah, so I, I was like, oh, should I share that story? Um, and I shared it. And well, I didn't want to share that story for a bunch of different reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. But I well, one, I didn't want her like next time I, I presented, I do a presentation. She's like, oh, God, this this thought is presenting. Like she's not even going to take me seriously because of what, what, what happened transpired that weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. But whatever. I shared it and it turned into this whole discussion for the entire table on dating culture, um, what it's like being a certain age, single at the time in New York, mm-hmm. um, what it's like um, using dating apps, like this person was a bit older. So mm-hmm. it just opened up this interesting conversation. And I was able to build a relationship on a deeper level compared to like me faking it for so long, right? So, mm-hmm. and that that has happened so many more times, not on the topic of multiple dates on the same day, but <laughs> on the topic of me saying, oh, what'd you do this weekend? And I'm saying, oh, I went salsa dancing. And like randomly someone that I would have never expected to be into Latin, you know, Spanish music mm-hmm. was into it. And then like, I just formed a relationship that way and was introduced to a bunch of people. So it's for me, like I found it to be my superpower to stand out. Whereas like for my entire career, I feared standing out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a lot more helpful than I think hurtful, I would say. Yeah. There's this quote that is in my head and I don't know who it's by. Um, and it's this very simple quote that says why, um, maybe you don't fit in because you're meant to stand out. Right. And it's like this really simple idea of maybe you were never meant to fit in. Maybe that's why you feel so left out. Maybe that's why you feel like such the oddball because you were literally created to stand out. Um, and I think for a lot of people, like, especially in an assimilation culture, that's terrifying. And this idea that like you were your presence, your energy, like you're known to stand out in some way. And a lot of people and a lot of workplaces will be like, well, you're not, that role is not supposed to have attention. And therefore if you're standing out, it's like a negative thing, but as much as you can put on a mask, I'm a firm believer that like you can't turn off who you are. And so it's really interesting that like, once you kind of leaned into that power, you were able to relationship build better. You were able to start just like really engaging conversations of nothing else, right? Even if it's not about the business. I want to shift a little bit because you've spoken about code switching. And so I want to bring us back to that. I'm really curious. Britannica defines code switching as like the process of shifting from one linguistic code, so like a language or a dialect to another, depending on the context that you're in. So understanding that definition, but also understanding the social pressures and things that inspire, um, for lack of a better words, someone to code switch. Do you believe that you can code switch and still be authentic to yourself? Someone on the podcast said this really well. Uh, He is Ruben Harris, CEO of Career Karma. When he was on the episode, we were touching on this, we were touching on this topic. And he said that he's anti code switching, but he's pro effective communication. And I think that quote really resonated with me because, you know, I've been in certain rooms, for example, where everyone may speak Spanish, but not everyone is Dominican, mm-hmm. right? So if I throw out some Dominican words, you know, Dominican slang, let's call it, um, that if the room is full of Dominicans, they would have understand. But in that specific room of full of Spanish speakers that were from South America, they may not understand specific lingo. So Mm -hmm. it may get lost in translation. So yes, there are certain instances where you have to walk into a room and slightly adjust what you're going to say um, to make sure that everyone understands it. Um, 
So I think there are opportunities to communicate effectively and be your most authentic self, but you really got to think about how can you do that while not compromising who you are and not feeling, I would say, cringy. Mm-hmm. I think that's my test. Like if I say something and I cringe, I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't believe I said that. Right. For example, mm-hmm. like I cringe every time I, I use the word awesome. And <laughs> okay. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, Everyone in the room will understand it. But for yeah. me, I cringe when I say that word. So I would have to, yeah, like that's that that's a moment where it like I feel like that would be code switching for me. Mm. And I would have to find a word that that more so fits my communication style or yeah. my swag or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, right? Because you mentioned obviously like you used to study, and so now you have like just more time. Um but like what impact has you kind of owning your power had on the way that you interact with like your community, um, your family, romantic partners, co-work? Well, we spoke a little bit about co-workers, but if there's anything else to add, um, how has it like changed those interactions? Yeah, I mean, I never I never thought of myself as like a diversity and inclusion expert or diversity, inclusion, equity expert. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started being myself for myself right to to just do yeah. better in life and, and feel better um about myself um but it expanded to you know when well, now I want to be the representation that I wish I had when I was younger right so I want to sort of extend the impact beyond me but to the community and you know that was really the birth of plural and the podcast that I launched and the messages that I get again on like LinkedIn and, and, and all these social media platforms has just been so overwhelming, but also mm-hmm. encouraging. Yeah. And the messages are kind of bring me back to what I was feeling in the past mm. because what I was feeling in the past was that I was feeling alone and, you know, in, in tech, there's not that many people that look like me. So when I would experience these, these things, whether it's depression, anxiety, or just not feeling like I belong, mm-hmm. I would experience them alone because I would go back home and I'd be like, damn, you know what I mean? Just like thinking in my thoughts yeah. when in reality, there are so many, although there's not many of us, although all of us that were, you know, in, in these various tech companies were likely experiencing something like this, right? So um, it really forced me to think about like, damn, if I'm going through this, other people are going through this. And it's sort of, mm validating based on the the messages and, and the and the comments that I receive right so in many ways it's about val- the validation makes me feel good because I'm like oh shit like it wasn't just me but then it also makes me feel terrible because it's not just me yeah so I've sort of taken on the responsibility to continue creating and really scaling that representation that I wish I had when I was younger Um, And realizing that there are other people like me that are aiming to redefine professionalism in various ways. So, you know, sharing their not stories, because people think when I say when when people hear stories, I feel like people think they're made up, but really more so sharing their experiences um, around the topic. Absolutely. That's really beautiful. And I can imagine. Right. Like I found you through social media, through literally a TikTok live, which is how I got you here for y'all who don't know. I mentioned earlier, I was like through the internet, the ethernet. It was literally that Babel was live on TikTok. And I was like, 
you should be a guest on my podcast. And I kept commenting it. So I was like, he's not going to miss it. He's going to see it. He's going to see it. And then you acknowledged it. And you were like, I got you. And I was like, don't play with me. I will send you an email right now. And I sent the email and here we are. And I think there's a lot of like beauty and power in social media and community building. Um, But it can also be really interesting, right? Something that you said on that live that had me weak was this is the issue with building a brand on authenticity is that people will ask you outlandish questions. (laughs) Um, And so I'm curious. I also need to know the ending or like more context to this Philippines, no, Brazil. Brazil story where you were like the referee in a, a bot. Let's start there. Actually, I need the, <laughs> I need context on that. First of all, I had asked one of your craziest travel stories and you mentioned being the referee to like a boxing match or something like that. Just give us give us insight. Tell us the story. I really got to look for this video so I can share it with you. Uh, now, nah, yeah, I was I think I was in the Philippines and I was just walking around and well, all right. I was walking around, but specifically while I was in that neighborhood, they were like, yo, this is like the red light district of the Philippines. I was like, say less. I'm going. <laughs> Got it. And I've already been to the red light district in Amsterdam. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know, for research purposes, I was like, let me compare. For research purposes, naturally. For research, for research, not for me, social but for the people. A social scientist, yeah. yes. Yeah. I'm a man of the people. The people want to know what it's like. I'm going to report back. So I went and there was like a bunch of strip clubs and stuff like that which was like, you know, strip club, been there, done that. Yeah. And there was one sign as I was walking by, it was like live midget boxing. And let's be clear, I'm not calling anyone a midget. This is yeah. just what the sign said. What the sign said, yeah. So I was like, what? I, I mean, live, live boxing in general, I would have went. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I went in, uh, they sat me, they sat me, uh, my boy and my homegirl in the front row. Oh my God. And they were like, yo, drinks, blah, blah, had the drinks flowing. Um, next thing you know, this woman walks up to me and she's like, yo, do you want a referee? I'm like, huh? <laughs> she's like, do you want to referee the match? I was like, what do you mean referee the match? She was like, yo, no. Re-. I was like, done. Say, say less. Say so less. I went up there and I just did my referee thing. But the whole time, I think what they were trying to do is like hit me. Like they had me cornered at one point. I just like slide out. It, it was great. I, but like mid-match, they make you take shots with the, with the boxers as well. Took like two shots in the ring. with It was it was so much fun. I need this video. I need, I need, to, I need to go find video. it. But yeah, midget boxing in the Philippines. That's a hell of a story. It's so good. <laughs> That's, wow. All I'm thinking about right now is circling back to like your dating app days. And one of the prompts is like, or you could just write it in, right? Tell me your best travel story. Like that needs to be it. Be like, ask oh, me about the time I refereed in the Philippines. Like that was- <laughs> it was my 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 dating profile was kind of fire. I'm not gonna lie. Like that was one of the questions. The other one was uh, shout out to Hinge. Um, funny <laughs> enough, that that's how I met my girlfriend right now on Hinge. Oh my god! Wow. Okay, Hinge, you can sponsor this episode if you want. Um. <laughs> Y'all could truly hit me up. Let me know. But wait, no. Okay, so tell me. Well, I don't remember the last one, but the second one was like, what, what's something that we could do together? Mm-hmm. And I put dance bachata. Ooh, that should work every time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Obviously, we just spoke about like crazy traveling, but also you you seem like a traveler. Is that fair to say? Do you enjoy traveling? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, And so I also am like, 
an avid traveler. It's my thing. It's one of my like main pillars of who I am, so to speak. Um, and I think the more that you experience different people, different cultures, you learn more about yourself specifically through solo travel, but I think traveling in general, um, again, there's this saying that I think just kind of exists in the world. That's like, you don't know someone until you've traveled with them. And I really stand by that because I think that's so true. But so I'm curious, like how, how traveling, how your adventures have kind of shaped who you are and, you know, the parts of them, the parts of your travels that you've carried with you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's shaped me in a few different ways. Uh, I remember when I was studying abroad, I studied abroad in Barcelona for, for, well, I studied abroad twice in college, once in Costa Rica and once in Barcelona. And when I was in Barcelona, I remember a few times where I was just looking around. Well, in Barcelona, yes, but I, you know, every weekend I just went to like a different city because it's so mm -hmm. cheap once a year in Europe. Yeah. Um, I remember when I went to Paris and I remember taking a cab and going towards the Eiffel Tower and it was at nighttime. So the Eiffel Tower, I don't, I don't know twinkling? if you, uh, yeah, so it was twinkling yep. and there's like a light that just goes around essentially. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I almost cried because mm -hmm. I've always thought of, uh, of the Eiffel Tower sim similar with Rome. It was like Rome, Paris, and it was one other city, but I was like, yo, this is the shit that you just see in textbooks. Like I never yeah. thought that I would be in front of it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So traveling for me besides like you know education and you learn about different cultures and it opens up your eyes for me I was like yo I could do shit that I read about you know what mm -hmm. I mean like and I was in college I was broke as hell but yeah. so imagine like now you know what I mean so for me traveling really just confirmed or really just like inspired me to, to dream bigger like I remember just being in middle school reading about that stuff and just being like oh yeah like um oh it's on my bucket list I was like bucket list no I can do that shit right now I love that literally just like I could live my bucket list exactly exactly are you traveling soon do you have any upcoming travels the last trip that I went on was to San Diego so I, I the went to San Diego the next one I'll probably do is go to Miami or Florida just to visit family mm. um and take care of some business you know some, some actual business not like yeah. I don't want people to think, oh, <laughs> the way Dominican you man said it again. made it seem like it wasn't business. But then I was like, man actively just said he's in a relationship. So he must mean <laughs> business. Last thing kind of on traveling. Um, obviously, right. We both acknowledge that you learn so much about yourself and the people that you're traveling with. What's like one lesson you've learned while traveling that you kind of carry with you today that you think is like applicable to life, but you learned while traveling? So many things that I've learned. Um, I mean, one thing about myself that I learned is that I'm an extrovert. Like mm -hmm. I get energy from being around other people mm -hmm. and it doesn't, I don't necessarily have to engage with people, but just being around them. Um, yeah. Even if I'm just like sitting outside people watching, like I just mm -hmm. get energy from that. But like outside of just personal things, I would say you know, just for, it, it was such a reminder to, to, it was, it was such a reminder that the world is so much bigger than where you are. Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems so obvious, but yeah, it, it, it just reiterates that, um, the, actually, wait, a funny one is that something that I learned, um, people love New York. Yes. No matter yes where you are, if someone asks you, 
where you're from and you tell them New York City, they're going to bug out. They light up. Like you can be in the south of France. Yep. And you'd be like, yeah, I'm from New York, be like, oh my God, Manhattan. And you tell them, yes, like, oh my God. Yeah. It don't matter where Manhattan you are. You know what no. I mean? You could be on the tip of that. Like, yeah, they they love it. Um, it, it was to the point where um my my roommate who uh who I live with, he was from Idaho. And it got oh to the, speaking of authenticity, he would lie and tell people he's from <gasps> New York because as soon as as soon as uh as soon as I, as soon as he started saying New York, people were so interested and wanted to talk to him. But uh, when he said Idaho, like the conversation ended. So speaking of authenticity, there you go, right there. Yeah, that's so sad. That's I'm not gonna hold you. What is there to do in <laughs> Idaho? Like I would not. I would not if I was not from the states. I would probably not even know that Idaho existed. So I don't. Yeah. I don't blame him. All right. I am going to shift us a little bit to our kind of final segment, which is quick tips, right? Given that this is an advice podcast, I definitely think we've had some gems throughout. uh, So circle back and listen to those if you haven't, but I'm going to give you just kind of rapid fire, like four or five areas of life. And you can give kind of your top one to two tips, um, in that area and they can be as specific or as general as you want them to be but just whatever whatever's on your heart whatever's on your mind um and just think like in a tweet kind of vibe so given right that you talk about professionalism the first topic is career advice for young professionals so think 20s 30s what is your kind of like go-to career advice O2 career advice, I would say, I would say be yourself sooner rather than later. Mm. Um, so that you can understand how you're being perceived and make any adjustments. Interesting. This is there's a quote that I literally heard this morning that said, uh, people's perception of you is not your responsibility. Do you agree with that? Yes, but at the same time, I think it does help you be a bit more strategic or at least help you have a conversation as to why they may believe that. For example, um, for example, let's say you are your most authentic self and then someone labels you aggressive or, right, for example, like that's their perception of you. That doesn't mean that they... Um, that doesn't mean that you're being aggressive, right? But it may open up a conversation as to like, yo, why, why do you think I'm aggressive, right? Maybe it's the, maybe it's the tone that you're using. Maybe it is the, um, well, let's just say it's the tone they're using, right? Like this, yeah. this actually happened to me. Like I was labeled aggressive um, and I had this conversation with my therapist and, and she was like, well, were, were you being aggressive? And I was like, you know what? Maybe I was. And she was like, yo, that, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you why do you think or what no she didn't say why you think she was like they off they say that people that are using a louder tone are often using the voice of the unheard mm-hmm. and she was like have you ever felt unheard by your teammates i was like oh my god all the time mm-hmm. i say something they don't listen to me my white colleague says the same thing with less data experience. to back it up and they they get the credit they like get mentioned as being a genius etc so for me in that situation I wish I would have known that they were perceiving me a certain way so that I can tell them that I felt unheard 
And we mm -hmm. would have had a productive conversation about it, right? So just the more data that you're able to gather will then help you understand like how you can maybe navigate that conversation. Yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. Um, setting boundaries. Quick tip for setting boundaries. It's a really great question. <laughs> I would say make a list of things that make you uncomfortable about it. Mm. And then identify if they are real or if you're making up those stories in your head. Mm -hmm. Um. I think most of, I think many times, at least this happens to me, like the situations that I, that I think through around, like, what happens if I set this boundary, like, oh, I'm going to get fired. Like I'll automatically go to like the worst case scenario. You know what I mean? Um, and a boundary for me could just be, yo, you know what? I'm not feeling well today. I'm going to take a sick day. Like mm -hmm. that's my boundary and taking my time back on my calendar, for example. Yeah. Um, and my mind automatically goes to like the worst case scenario. Yeah. And I end up not setting that boundary for myself. Right. But in setting that boundary for yourself one day, what if something positive happens as far as like some, your boss tells you, you know, I'm, I'm glad you did that. Take the time off, et cetera. And nothing else happens, right? Like you just go on with your day and, and take that time off yourself. Um, I think we often don't go for it because of those stories that we, that we create in our heads, which are often worst case scenarios. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I would advise. I feel that as an overthinker, I live in my head. And so I am the person who will like live in the stories that I create. Um, I think mine outside of professional settings or like generally speaking, right? They can apply to professional settings. I think my go-to advice for setting boundaries would be anything that is for you will not require you to validate, to violate your boundaries. Mm. So if something is requiring you to violate your boundaries, be it a person or an experience or a situation, then that person experience or situation is not for you. And so, right, like if you feel like you're violating a boundary and you haven't set it, now you know you need to set that, right? Or if, yeah, I think that's kind of my go-to. And if people need follow-up, DM me, hit me up. We can dive deeper into that. Oh, this is an interesting one because you've made talk TikToks about it. Um, practicing radical honesty. Let's say practicing honesty because I think practicing honesty in certain spaces can be radical. Yeah, um, I think the only way to practice it is, is, is to do it, right? Is to practice it, right? I mean, at least for me, like I need to put myself in certain situations to really learn just really learn period. Mm -hmm. um, and you learn a bunch of different things. One is like, how am I feeling in that moment, right? You're yeah. able to really understand how the person reacts, how you react, what sort of emotions you're going through. And then you're able to process those things. But yeah, if you are never honest, then you're never able to understand or at least pull the data outside of that experience. And again, able to adjust from there. And you know, with any of these things, I'm, I'm a firm believer in firm believer and advocate of therapy. I think any of these situations, my plus one advice is always to not do this alone and seek help. Mm -hmm. And therapy can help you unpack all of these things. So even when I say like, these are all of these things are like situations and, and 
conversations that I've had with my therapist is like, mm-hmm. yo, I'm having, tr- I'm having trouble setting a boundary. What should I do? Right. And like the thing that I did was also like, she, like, she always tells me like, all right, we need more data for you to like confirm if this is going to work for you or not. Right. And the only way to get that data is to experience the situation. Yeah. So even something as even something like practicing honesty, right. Um, I need to experience that and then, you know, report back to your therapist and be like, oh my, this is how I felt. Help me unpack that and work through this. Right. Yeah. So with anything like to, to that specific question is like, yeah, go, go practice it, see how it feels and unpack that with, with a professional, I, I would say, yeah. I mean, you could do it yourself, but I think it's really helpful to really unpack that with a, with a professional. I agree. I'm so pro therapy, everyone, everyone listening under the sound of our voices know that about <laughs> me. I am so pro therapy. Um, yeah. And I think what you hit on is kind of what I was going to say in different words, which is the way that you practice honesty is by being self-aware, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you can't be honest with yourself about who you are, what you are, where you're at, you can't be honest with others. Um, And you may like think you're being honest, but if you're lying to yourself, then you're inherently lying lying to them. And so I think like self-awareness kind of precursors honesty, right? Because it's it's self-honesty and self-awareness. that's a great one. Thank you. Final two interview tips. Go to interview tip. Oh, interview tips. I love this. I would say focus on the impact that you're driving. Mm. I see this in resumes. And I also see this when people are interviewing is that they often just list or describe the their their responsibility or the task for example like they're like oh well you know i did a bunch of excel reports for the for the finance team Mm -hmm. um i think you can you can quantify what what you're what you're saying but also like add some qualitative things when it comes to the impact that you drove as well right so like oh the finance team how many people on the finance team how senior were there people you know what i mean yeah um because that that like gives it a different level of impact, right? So say you did it for the financing versus like you did it for the chief revenue officer, very different things, right? Yeah. In addition to that is like, all right, you like did these reports, did it drive revenue? Did it save costs? Like what, mm-hmm. what was the result of that? That's what I think sets you apart um, when having these conversations because most of the people are just going to say that they produce Excel reports. The person that is really going to stand out is the person that really says like who they did it for and then what was the impact of that? Mm-hmm. I love that. I have been given that tip and I use that tip. So I, I second this. Um, I think it's a really powerful structure. I always think of each bullet point as kind of what I did, why I did, and what happened. And mm-hmm. so I always try to include those three things. Like, what did I actually do? What was the purpose of it? And like, what happened from it, right? What was that impact? Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's funny too, because I never, I never saw myself being like a, a career coach, but mm-hmm. me was just being outspoken about just like my career path and, and my journey. People mm-hmm. have started to reach out for like career advice and um, are like down to pay for it as well, right? For me to be in, invested in, in their growth and make sure that I'm um, not just necessarily giving advice, but like putting in the work to like help them through their journey. Like it's, it's a whole new opportunity for me that I, that I never thought about. Yeah. And then last, last quick tip is for the young or when I say young, I mean like young in the field, not by age, um, but like the young creative or the aspiring creative. 
what is your kind of quick tip damn i'm still used to being called a creative that is um i'm always flattered when when people say that but i would say like you're always gonna have doubts i have doubts right now um about myself about what i'm doing like there isn't a week that goes by i was like you know you know what i'm just gonna focus on my full-time job why am i doing this really like why am i doing mm-hmm. this um what i would say is celebrate the small wins and it's some it's my probably my biggest struggle in life i'm always for example someone would like leave me a comment like yo that design is fire like the content is this and that and I'm always moving on to the next one. I'm never like sitting in that compliment. I'm never sitting in that win. I'm never like taking the time to really reflect on what has happened in the past week, in the past year. Like that gets erased in my memory, like within a few seconds. And I'm like, all right, but like, when's the next video gonna go viral? When's the next post gonna go viral? When's like, when's my next sale going to come in? Right. And I'm always in that. And that's part of like the struggle with me, with my anxiety, like mental health wise is like, I'm always thinking like 10 steps ahead and thinking of the future. So, um, yeah, I would say like celebrate the small wins because even if you have a hundred followers, if you've got two sales, there's someone out there that would kill to be where you are. That would kill to have Mm -hmm. those hundred followers that would kill to have those two sales. So Mm -hmm. be sure you like you're celebrating in your success and whatever that success is. Yeah, I love that. I think that almost brings it full circle, right? Or with the kind of top of the conversation, you were like, I feel so special by that intro. And I was like, of course, because I have to give you your flowers, right? And I think it's really easy for us to give other people their flowers. Um, But it's hard for us to give ourselves our flowers because we know everything we didn't do, right? All the ideas we had that we didn't execute, that we weren't confident about, that just totally flopped. Um, And so it's so much harder to celebrate those wins when you're like, yeah, but look at all the failures. And it's like, but that's what makes this moment so much more special. And like, that's why you deserve it tenfold. Um, So I definitely echo that. I think my tip would be focus on community. over quantity because at the end of the day all of the creatives that I know myself included the reason that I started a like creative path or a journey one was for myself it was going to provide some sort of value for myself right the podcast was almost like a verbal diary it was a way for me to kind of verbally process which is my favorite way of processing all of these concepts and ideas that live on my mind and It also gave me an excuse to like hit up people I haven't spoken to in months or years and be like, hey, come record a podcast episode with me. And like, now we've been able to reconnect. We've been able to catch up. But also in that it's providing value for people I never expected. Like people from high school hit me up who like, we just weren't friends. We didn't have beef, but we weren't friends. And they're like, yo, I listened to this episode and like, this really meant so much to me. And I shared it and blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, like, I'm honored. I'm so glad that what I'm doing is providing value for people I never expected it to. Um, And so I guess just like, if you focus on the community, the numbers matter less because that fulfillment comes from authentic connection, at least in my experience. Plus one on that. I will wrap it up. So I want to say thank you so much for joining me. I am 
grateful to the social media world for connecting us um, and our mutuals who don't even know that they're mutuals. Um, but it was so lovely just like connecting with you, talking to you. You are exactly how I expected you to be based on your content. And I think that's a testament to the fact that you are, you know, really living and practicing what you preach when you talk about authenticity. Um, you know, just kind of how you show up, you're very like warm and welcoming and just like really dope. Um, and so I want to one, thank you, give you your flowers and then pass it to you for any final thoughts on what we've had today, or if not just things you want to promote where people can find you if they want more of Babel in their lives. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it's been such a pleasure. I would say, um, one thing I'll just remind y'all, um, professionalism is defined as a skill or competence needed for your job that's the definition mm -hmm. if they're not talking about skill or competence then they're being biased in their evaluation of you or others it has nothing to do with how you mm -hmm. look how you dress how you speak etc so if you're ever being mm -hmm. called unprofessional and they're not talking about skill or competence just remind them of that definition um but as for me, you can find me on Instagram at plural, that's P-L-U-R-A-W-L. Um, you can find me on, on, on TikTok at Pabiceps. Um, there's a brand page as well, but I'm focusing on the personal stuff. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Pavel Martinez. I'm sure it will be included in the show notes. Yep, everything will be in the description below. Thank y'all so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, week, month, year. I will catch you next week for another episode. And without further ado, love and light, beautiful people.